I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Wind waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will talk about the Major League roster, they will do a Padres Twitter segment, and White Queso is back. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside my best friend, Eric LeBou. How's it going, Eric? Going great, and man, we're we're getting started a little bit late tonight. Just a little bit late. It's twelve. It is actually. Let me quote it here. Twelve forty-five. Oh, I had twelve forty-three, but twelve forty-five. We'll round up. Uh, Mexican time. My mother would tell me it's one fifteen. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, actually, when I went down to uh, Kelsey and I went down to Cancun a few few years ago, and that's where I learned what a Mexican minute was. <laughs> so we're sitting there. It is a real thing. It is. So we're sitting there, and, and we're waiting for our shuttle. And the shuttle's supposed to be there, we'll say like 9.30 in the morning. And we're sitting there, and it's 9.40. And I'm like, oh, my God, we missed it. And so we're freaking out. We're going to miss our tour. We can't do zip lining. What's going on? And then a guy who works at the hotel comes out. And we're like, hey, we're sitting here, and we're waiting for our shuttle, and they're not here. Like, did we miss it? What's going on? Do we need to take a, t- a taxi? Like, what's what should we do? And he's like, oh, he's like, they'll be here in, in a Mexican minute. And I'm like, what's what's a Mexican minute? He's like, Five minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You should know, based on how long we've known each other now and how many times you've had to wait on me to get here, that as a culture, we're just naturally not on time. My dad is the type of person where if you tell him the party's at 2.30, he goes and takes a shower at 2.30 and then gets there. My dad was late to his own wedding. Was they, he really? Yeah, he was late to his own wedding. My Aunt June, uh, who you've met in Phoenix, wonderful lady. Asked my mom, are you sure he'll show? Oh, wow. And my mom goes... He was that late? Yeah. My mom goes, he'll be here. Oh, wow. My dad's going to be late to his own funeral. Wow. Just how it is. Fun fact, personal fact, your dad, late to the wedding, still married. Yeah. You were on time to your wedding? Early. Early for your wedding. I almost caught the bride. (laughs) And we won't go into the result of that. Yeah, we're not going to go into any hashtag uh, SD uh, stuff here today. Yeah, not Um, today. We do want to jump into something on Twitter, Eric. Things heating up for Ted Cruz on Twitter. Some political talk. Yeah, I mean, with with Ted Cruz, we found out he's a Reality Kings fan. There you go. Jagoff is going to give him a follow very soon. I'm just wondering how soon before it comes out and he says, oh, hey, guys, I was hacked. No, you weren't hacked. Yeah, you weren't hacked, Lion Ted. Own it. Own it. You know what? I feel like he would get more votes if he owned it. He'd be like, fuck yeah, do you see that video? Yeah, of course like, I liked it. Yeah, of course I liked it. I'm a man. I'm a human being just like everybody else. I'm not above anybody. Yeah, exactly. So, so hey, I like your taste. I, I would hope that the next video you like has a little bit more Spanish in it. <laughs> for my not, own personal you're, you're preference. picking the wrong party, buddy. You better go to the Democratic Party for that one. That's very true. Maybe you can watch Bernie Sanders. He's the, there's not enough people in hell. There's not enough Spanish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we need to include all all uh, yeah. all sides of the. We board. want the United Nations of porn in yes, our videos. Exactly. Uh, moving on, we're going to get into the Padres here. Uh, this is going to be pretty much. We got a couple of Twitter questions uh, otherwise, but um, for the most part, we're just going to focus on the major league roster. Of course, we had Kevin Charity on last week. If you guys want to dive into uh, 
Kevin's talk about the prospects and everything going on with the system with Matt Farge. But this week, Major League only, Eric. Um, we're going to get into the tank. You were telling me at work, and we need to get to expand on it because it was unbelievably busy today in our call center environment. But you're telling me you are exhausted with the tank. You're still on board, but exhausted. It's so hard to put into words. Like, I've never... Put it in a sandwich. You usually do better when you go that route. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I, it, it's it's hard to put into words, man, because like I've I've never I've never like done this before as far as like uh, rooting to lose. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think my whole approach to the tank all along was I'm I'm not rooting for them to lose, and I've I've said all along embrace the tank. It's more I'm okay with them losing because they're going to lose regardless, but. With as the season's winding down, we got about three weeks left in the season. Yeah. It's just exhausting, man. Everyone, oh, the tank, the tank. And then I found myself um, during the Arizona series. I think Stammen came in with a few runners on, and he ended up getting out of a jam. And I ended up uh, saying to myself, "I'm like, damn it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do the same thing. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this goes against everything that I've known and that I've done my entire life. And well, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get sick of it. I realize that it, that it's necessary. It's a necessary evil, and they're gonna lose anyways. But it's getting to the point where when when I like openly root against my team, it's it's getting to the point where it's it's kind of I'm. I'm, I'm kind of over it. I can understand that. And I realize it's still going to go on, but I, I'm not jacked about it. It's it's really it's really hard because at the end of the day, we are Padre fans, and other than Tony Gwynn, we haven't had players to hang on, so we're truly Padre fans. So it's really hard to root against the team. The best way I've been able to combat it because I have a hard time. You know, when a player goes, when a player hits one deep, or you know, they make a nice play, or you know, there's a big a big uh, moment like you said, Stammen gets out of the jam or. And I think uh, got the save on uh, game two on Saturday. And, you know, he, he put himself in a jam and he struck the guy out. It's hard not to go, yeah, because you're you're invested in this team. But at the same time, you understand that, you know, to, to put the team in a better position, they, they need to lose. So it, it's hard because you're right. It goes against everything you ever grew up with. My mom gets on my case constantly um, when I'm sitting there like, I can't believe, you know, this and that. They need to lose. They need to lose. The Diamondbacks aren't doing their jobs. And she can't get it. And and I get it because it, for me, it's hard because I like a lot of the players on the team. I mean, I, I root I, I root for individuals, not for the team. I want the team to fail, but there's guys I want to do, like Solarte. I've, I've got a soft spot for Solarte. Um, I love, he's my favorite player on the team. I love watching Margot. I like watching Hedges. I like Aswahe. Spangenberg's done well. Um, so it's really hard to kind of do both. It's, it's, it's a tough balancing act. And I mean, at this point, I think we can pretty much say that overall, the tank has been a failure, I think, in what they wanted to do. I think probably really did try to build a team that um, would be really, really awful pitching staff-wise until a point it has been. But in the positive light, the tank has been a failure for good reasons. You've got guys like Perella, Aswahe, Spangenberg, uh, Margot, all these younger guys that are getting everyday playing time. They're contributing. They look like they could be useful pieces. When at least the team in, is good again. Yeah, eventually. when the team is good again. Yeah, at least in the short term. You know, Perella, I don't know if Perella's going to, you know, he's been very, very good. I mean, he's been a huge surprise. So I don't know if he's going to stick, but he could be, you know, a, a version of Solarte where he's just a guy who's basically an everyday regular. He's nothing special. He doesn't do anything overly great, but he contributes on an everyday basis like Solarte does. Yeah, and 
you know, I, I must say, I'm really looking forward to the day when, and I, I mean, who knows what the hell we're going to be doing at the time when they do eventually get competitive again. Hopefully we'll still be on the air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we'll still be doing this. I, I think we will. I see no reason why we wouldn't, but yeah. I do very much look forward to the day where we're not throughout the week being like, Hey, let's talk about the tin caps. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to the days where we're talking about who can the Padres package to get superstar number one or superstar number two yeah or by the way spend some money yeah. so we might we might get into that a little bit later as far as like dead money coming off the books like yeah it's coming time uncle ron where you're gonna have to spend some money and we'll get into that but i think i think padre fans will be a lot more pleased than we've been used to and you know one thing i do want to throw out here um we've been getting new listeners here and there and, and we really appreciate you guys tuning in one in particular that i want to point out and i want to say this on the show so we have it on record so that when i win this bet <laughs> this son of a bitch doesn't try to back out so ryan barkley at papa bark on twitter he's a great uh, handle yeah with uh he's from barkley landscaping so they sponsored a dave and jeff podcast another good show which behind the behind the scenes we'll let you guys behind the curtain dave and jeff Danny and I's absolute favorite. I love hundred percent. Love, love Dave and Jeff. Hundred percent. We actually, I think, we're kind of like sort of inspired by them uh, subconsciously because their banter is very much. Let's just shit on each other for the yeah. next hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> so we're like, if you're if you're extremely poor, you filed for bankruptcy three different times. Your wife took you to the cleaners after your divorce, and you're literally living on the street. We're your version of Dave and Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> that's who we are. So, anyways, uh, Ryan Barkley, he says. Um, he says, 1350 says the Twins get the two-game sweep of the Padres this week. And I said, I'll take that bet. Yeah, I would honestly take Barkley's bet. The Twins have been really hot. They, they I don't care. We got uh, Travis Wood, and we got goddamn uh, uh, Denelson Lamette. Yeah. We're I, bound to get at least one win. Yeah. I, I think they might be they might be able to do it with Lamette, but I can see them there. They've been heating up uh, as of late, uh, and we don't really usually talk you know league-wide stuff, but the Twins were – good they went out and made some trades to get Jaime Garcia and then after like literally after one start they're like wow we've had a really bad like seven or eight game stretch and then they dealt them to the Yankees when they started falling out of it now they're back in the wild card race I think they're ahead of the Royals who by the way <laughs> thanks for taking Trevor Cahill <laughs> yeah and Brandon Maurer <laughs> oh man Cahill's back Cahill's in the bullpen for KC for those that don't know um, and we're going to talk about a piece that we got back later on uh, in the Cahill deal. But, uh, Eric, you've been bringing up this idea the last couple of weeks. I know we wanted to touch on it last week, but uh, with the the way the show is formatted, we didn't get a chance. But you have been really dropping uh, dropping Margot extension talk the last couple of weeks when you and I have gotten together. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were kind of looking at the roster, and we're like, hey, who's going to really be here when the team gets good again? I feel like Margot is going to be here. And the thing is with, with how the control works. So he's, what, 21, 22? 22, I think. So basically, he's going to be, what, 27? I can look it up. Let's see what Baseball Reference has to say, but go on. You don't have to look it up. He's going to be roughly 26, 27 when it comes time to pay up or he walks. You're right. So I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I really feel like he's going to be a piece when we get good again. So you're going to have to extend him eventually. I think it's too soon now. But maybe after maybe after next year. Yeah, I would like to see him establish. Yeah. And I'm not talking just buy out his ar- arbitration years. Like I want a couple years on top of that because that's when he's going to hit his peak. I agree. That's I, when he's going to hit his prime and, and pay pay him to stick around. I I look at how the Diamondbacks locked up um, Justin Upton, you know, like his third or fourth year, and they locked him up and they basically bought out. I think a couple of his free agent years. I'm not. I'm not too sure, but I think because Upton came up actually at 19, 
So I'm pretty sure they locked him up for a couple of extra years and they would have gotten him um, for if they just went through the straight arbitration process. Now, I can agree with you. I do think that Margot should be a serious extension candidate. I think Padre fans probably are thinking no. I think Padre fan is like, no, no, no extension because they got burned. Um, but they got burned for reasons that you couldn't foresee. You couldn't foresee Corey Lupke getting hurt. Right. Uh, you couldn't foresee Cameron Mabin getting hurt. Um, and then Jerko was just, I, I feel like he was just never given an opportunity to play every day with Bud Black around. And so, sticking in one position. Yeah, that's it. Well, he's bouncing around with the Cardinals. I just think it's the idea of like, just go out there. Like, you're going to play every day. We're going to find a spot. I do think Margot, though, is a future piece. If he, is, is he going to be a future piece when he's 30? Yeah, it's eight years down the line. Who knows? But I don't mind the idea of locking him up, say, I, I wouldn't do it this year or next year, but I think after you know going into or maybe finishing his third year when he's going to start hitting arbitration, I do think that's when you say, okay, we're going to buy out your last three or four years. If you, He's probably going to be a super two. So he's right. probably going to get four years of arbitration. So I can see them saying, look, let's give you four years to buy out your arbitration years uh, at a, you know, a, you know some more than what you'll make in arbitration. And then we'll buy out two or three years less than what you would make in free agency, probably, and it's a nice balance. I could see that, you know, in two years, giving him a seven-year deal. Because I do think that Margot is the future piece. I like Hedges, and we talked off air about, is Hedges a candidate? No. My answer would be no. I, I like Hedges. I think the potential's there, but he's not hitting like an everyday player. He's been worth two-tenths of a win, according to Fangraphs, which is not good. So he has been basically replacement level. I think people let him pass because he hits home runs and he plays very good defense. But at this point, Hedges hasn't really established himself as an everyday major league catcher. He still is hitting like a backup. Um, so with him, I would leave that off the table. But Margot, I think, is a very serious candidate. Yeah, I, I feel like we need to kind of remind ourselves that he's like 21, 22 years old. He's very, very young. Now, he hasn't had an overly impressive rookie year. But you would like to see the on-base get up there a little more. But keep in mind, I mean, he's he's in the major leagues at 21 to 22. He's only going to get better from here. Absolutely. And he's holding his own. It's not like he's he's not – he doesn't look overmatched. He takes some big hacks. But I think the power has been a little bit surprising, double-digit home runs. Um, he has extra base power. He doesn't steal a ton right now. And I don't think his uh, – Lowest attempts – Lowest attempts um, to steal a bag in his entire career is this year. So I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if it's just a new level or Maybe. I don't know what, but I feel like eventually he's going to be a guy that's going to go I out do there too. and steal 25 to 30 bags a year. I agree. He's also not getting on a lot. When you're only that's getting on true. 31, 32 percent of the time, um, you know, he's also had Myers hitting behind him. So maybe there's the red light. Um, but I mean, from a standpoint of you know what you see now, he's been consistent. Like he hasn't gone into these long, drawn out slumps. He's gotten hot at times, and then when he's kind of cooled off, he's he's evened out a little bit to where he's still consistent and contributing. But I do think that in the long run, he is going to be a very good piece to sign long term. I, I really like what I see Manny Margot. I do see a leadoff hitter who's going to bat, you know, in the two eighties, get on base at three forty, three fifty clip, give you great defense and base running. I think that's a guy in center field you got to lock up. Yeah, exactly, and I, I feel like he's going to age well. Also, I could see him turning into. Um, Everyone always wants him to be Lorenzo Cain. I can That's see him always that. the comp for him. I can see him doing that. The guy I think is a closer comp when you look at what they were expected and what they've developed is uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I take that. I would too because Bradley wasn't thought of to have any power, and then he made some adjustments to his swing and his approach, and all of a sudden, you know, he's a fifteen to twenty home run guy. I do think Margot has that in him. It's going to take some. Some adjustments. And well, some, he's already there. Was he have 12, 13 homers? 12 or 13, yeah. I, but that's the thing is that I can see him being more Jackie Bradley. And he's younger. I think he has more upside than Kane because he is younger. 
He's further along at 21. I think Kane didn't come on the scene too. He's about 25. Margot's peak is going to be longer. He's probably going to start peaking in two or three years. And then you have this long run of five or six seasons as he gets into, you know, into and towards his 30s. So I, I like that idea a lot. I would give it another year at least, at least another year, probably two, and maybe look to lock him up once the Padres hopefully start competing in 2020. What a great trade, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, I mean, Craig Kimbrell, he, he is more than likely to go down as one of the greatest relievers of all time. He is as good as Mariano Rivera, run prevention-wise, and he's a better strikeout pitcher as it stands, at that least last being, I checked. That being said, he throws one inning a game. He throws, what, 60 innings a year? Yep. Like right around that. And you're getting an everyday guy in Margot who could be a core piece of your future. Aswahe, who has completely, completely exceeded expectations. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot better than I expected. He's very much taken advantage of the opportunities given to him. Yeah. Um, and then the Logan guy that— Allen. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is um, uh, Loggenhagen on uh, Fangraphs had a chat where, like, you know, a prospect that nobody, you know, hears about whatnot, and— he had mentioned Logan Allen. He's like, he gets buried in a really good system. And he came in that trade, really the only flop right now. I came for that trade, too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all did. We yeah. all did. The only flop has been Guerra. But if, if Guerra is the only flop, but see, that's that's mitigated now because Tatis Jr. has been an absolute yeah. smoke show in the, in the minors. As bad as Guerra has been, Tatis has been he's good. A, he's usurped him. I mean, yeah. essentially, he's, you know, he's, he's taken over. He's the future. Um, but... When you can get it, like you look at the Adrian Gonzalez deal, and it would have worked out if they kept Rizzo, but the reality is they traded to get three top prospects, only one worked out. Right now, the Padres traded to get four top prospects. Three look like they're going to work out. Yeah. Logan Allen looks like he's going to at least, he's, he's a borderline top 100 uh, prospect, and he looks like he's going to be a middle, maybe even back-end rotation pitcher. And even if he's that, that's... That's 200 innings that's a great. year. That's 200 innings of a league average pitcher, which is, to me... As valuable, if not more valuable, than a guy who gives you 60 elite innings. He could also be, let's face it, he could be a piece in a trade where when the time comes, we need to package some pieces to get, you know, the the final yeah. piece. Yeah, I agree. He can be one of those guys, too. I agree. I think that to date is probably the best. Well, I have to say the Matt Kemp trade uh, was pretty good <laughs> to get him off the books. But I do think from a you know talent for talent standpoint... The, the Kimbrel trade's already paying dividends because you got two exciting guys. For, and and why he's a fan favorite. Yeah. I think fans like him. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, you've got Logan Allen, who's going to probably I, – he'd probably crack double-A next year at some point. I would think so, so. Absolute amazing trade. And that's – you know that's exciting on that end. Anytime you can you can send a reliever for four guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't care who that reliever is. Absolutely. Well, to an extent. But even yeah. then, he's he's really. I mean, it was a great trade. It was. It was even for, if it was just Kimbrel for Margot, straight up, because Swahe could have spent the whole year in the minors. If it was just Kimbrel for Margot, it's still an excellent trade. And which was funny because at the time, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like Garrett was the biggest piece. No, you're absolutely right. He was he was the biggest piece. It was Margot and Guerra were the two headliners. Allen was the interesting piece because of the upside. And Aswahe, who's a top prospect, was more of a backup. Now, I do think that's what he ends up washing out as. I do think he's a backup. But you're right. Guerra was looked at like he could be an MVP if he puts it all together because he had bat speed, he had power. He still has an absolute stellar glove and arm. Um, so the, the tools are still there, but that's why. But I think... I think Aswahe has kind of moved past him. Do you think Aswahe has earned the everyday job next year? It's hard because they have to put Solarte somewhere. Solarte's probably better suited at third. I think it's between Spangenberg and Aswahe, but I can see Spangenberg having some value for a team that's looking to just plug a hole. Like the Rays could use a 
Spangenberg. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You don't have to change speak. uniforms too much either. That's true. That one's for you, Stephen Woods. Even though you don't listen, <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised at all if they trade Spang- Spangenberg. I, I wouldn't be either, um, because they're going to have to go. Somebody Spangenberg's closer to free agency. He's closer to arbitration. Exactly. Um, he's very good at third. I mean, he's been. I've been really surprised with the playing time that he's gotten. You know, not that he's got playing time. Uh, I think Andy Green does a good job of that, but I, I have been very pleasantly surprised at how good he's been uh, in the second half. But I think he's going to have some value on teams looking for the Mets need a second baseman. You know, the Mets are going to need some guys it's or a third baseman. A, it's a goddamn shame he can't play shortstop. It is. It is a damn shame because his bat would profile really well there. But he just, I don't even know if it's an arm issue. He just doesn't have the range. You know, we were looking into shortstop options there because, I mean, Ibar, you can bring Ibar back. No, no, no don't. As, don't. as good as he's been coming off of the uh, DL. I mean, is, is Ibar going to come back? No. No, absolutely not. And do we want him back? No. No. Well, Jagoff might want him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe Padre fam. I'd be like, hey, yeah. he's been great. Hey, he, yeah. you know, he's the, the mentor to all the Latin kids. Oh, God. I hate that. It's like, because all the Latins hang out with themselves and all the whites hang out with themselves. And, exactly. You know, the blacks are just confused. <laughs> yeah. So, so Danny, come on, guys. Danny compiled a little list. So I think we can both agree that um, we basically need another stopgap. We need a one-year stopgap as it stands right now. So I looked it up. It now, could be, and, and keep in mind, guys, this it, it could be that we sign one of these guys to fill the spot for a half season. Yeah. Because Tatis could be up by the halfway point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would look at it. Yeah, I think that's really optimistic. I was, I love it's very it. optimistic. But I, I think you sign this guy for a year, a year and a half tops. Now, there's some trade guys I think they can go out and get. They can go out and trade for Jed Lowry. Or a, um, they're not going to get Marwin Gonzalez now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think they can make a trade like that. Um, the guys I see realistic now, I got this off of sporttrack.com, T-R-A-C. Uh, so I don't know how accurate it is, but according to them, 2018 free agent shortstops. There are some other ones on there like Everett Cabrera. And uh, what was the other guy I mentioned? Uh, Vold, Volstead? Something yeah, Volstead. I didn't recognize a few of those guys. Yeah, there are some guys. That they, you don't want any part of them. Eric Ibar was obviously on there. But the three guys I saw, if they are really free agents, I think are perfect Padre fits. Um, the first one's Alcides Escobar. I think he, I think he fits the mold of light hitting glove first shortstop. I, he might be better defensively than what they've ran out there, but I, I think that's a guy. Um, a Freddie Galvis, I think, is a guy uh, from the Phillies. Assuming that uh, he is um, done in Philly and he's going to be a free agent, I think it was a Rule Five pick, Freddie Galvis. But uh, he's another guy I can see the Padres taking a shot on just as a stopgap. Um, the big one, though, I think this is the most realistic one because I've already kicked tires on him. Jose Iglesias, I can see coming here. Yeah, but I feel like Jose Iglesias would get more than a one-year deal. Maybe. I feel like we would be a last resort, which we always are. But I, I feel like if he can't get a multi-year deal elsewhere, I feel like it's like, yeah, all right, I'll go to San Diego. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I don't see him because I don't see shortstop as a big need for a lot of teams. Um, you know, And it's not like Iglesias is, you know, Andrelton Simmons who I think is incredibly underrated. Like, Simmons is a solid hitter who is an elite glove. Iglesias is nothing but glove. That's all he's ever been since the Red Sox had him. Um, he's been worth two and a half wins this year, so he's been pretty good this year. But overall, I mean, he's he's a glove for... He's got a 302 on base. He's slugging 388. His career, his career, he's 15% below league average offensively. But he's, do you do you really worry about what you get offensively from shortstop? Well, of course not. No, absolutely not. But I mean, shortstop is turning into a more offensive-minded position. You know, you look at Seager, you look at um, 
Come on, throw some other names Correa. out there. Correa. Correa, yeah, Correa is a big one. Yeah. And really, Bregman is hitting. Bregman technically is a shortstop. He's just playing third because they have Correa. So, I mean, I, I look at Iglesias as kind of like down there with Alcides Escobar, where he's the guy who's strictly glove. But, I mean, really, when I look up his numbers and I compare him to league average, he's basically been, you know, an average major league regular. So, I don't see a guy like that. You know who's going to go into a market? Yeah, it's going to be thin on you know thin, but you have Zach Cozart who's going to be the top shortstop on the market. He's going to be the guy that's going to get the multi-year deal. I don't see Iglesias getting. Maybe he gets two years, but I don't see a team locking him up. He's he's basically I'd have to look it up, but he's kind of like Raradonias. The glove is enough to make him every day, but that's all he's got. Well, according to the uh, delightful Kevin Charity, we're going to bring in Rafael Furcal. Or well, no, it was uh, Ronnie Belliard. Ronnie Belliard. Yeah. Ronnie Belliard killed the fucking Padres in 2006. Yeah. You remember that? The Cardinals picked him up, put him at second. He absolutely killed the Padres. I'll always remember him for his do-rags. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> thing braids. I'll, yeah, that's the thing I always remember <laughs> about him. Yeah, oh. We were talking before the show about um, one guy who could come in and possibly be that stopgap, and maybe a little bit more than that. And, you know, everyone in Potteryland, we've heard about him for, I feel like, a lifetime now. Um, from the Rangers, Jerickson Profar. I mean, I'm not huge on it, and I'm that's another thing I'm exhausted about talking about. <laughs> Jerickson Profar. Profar. It's because he's Preller's boy. Keith Law actually mentioned that too. But I feel like the Padres have always been tied to Profar for years. They've been tied to Profar, and I feel like he was he was at one point like, hey, we can't trade for him. He's unattainable, and now it's like, hey, take him. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the time is right if you're going to do it because worst case scenario. Um, and you know what Elston and Gennaro mentioned this? I want to say it was last year. Had no, it was 20, I was living in Poway. It was 2015. Like, yeah, let's trade for Profar. It was because they made all those moves, but they needed a shortstop. Right. Um, so it was like, you know, we got to get a shortstop at the deadline. Who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Um, I do think now is the time is right because the Rangers, you know, they had some leverage even when he was hurt because it's like, well, he's just been hurt, but he's still a top prospect. They have no leverage now. He's been in the minor leagues for 83 games. He didn't hit. He barely played. He didn't play at all. I think in the majors. So, um, you know, and he's just getting closer. You know, he's on the 40 man roster. His clock is ticking. I think if the Padres get him, they'd have two years of control, anyways. It does kind of pump the brakes on Tatis Jr. Because as, as excited as I am to see as he's been dubbed FT2, yeah. um, I don't want them to overly rush him, and I don't think there's a need to get him up here that quickly. If they get a guy like Profar. They can let him play for a year, a year and a half, and then flip him, or maybe move him to third if they don't have anybody at that point, or second if Urias isn't ready, or for whatever reason. I do think that's the better option, and and I think that Profar is attainable at this point. He's he's not giving Texas anything. They have no leverage in a trade, and Preller was the one that discovered him, signed him, and got him into the system. So I mean, so naturally there's going to be that connection there. Yeah, and I think there's that familiarity as well. I mean, Keith Lodd mentioned in the chat because somebody brought it up connecting the Padres with Profar that you know Preller would probably like to have his boy back because he's a Preller guy, he's a Preller player. So I, I do think that's more realistic than people know or maybe realize. It's just a matter of what are the Rangers looking for that we could possibly flip them to get Profar. The question is, what are you willing to move? Yeah, as long as we're not giving up that much, then I'm okay with it. It all depends on what we're giving up. Yeah. Because I don't think he's worth that much at all. I don't either. I, and I, and I, f- I feel like at the same time, his value is just about the same as any of those scrubs you mentioned that yeah. you can just pay oh, for a year. I agree. His upside is there, but I agree. I would... Well, I don't know if I would do this. Would you do this? Would you trade them Hunter Renfro for Jerkson Profar? No. <laughs> no, you know why? Because I feel like Renfro is eventually going to come back and turn it around. 
I feel like he's going to come back and turn it around. He's he is. I mean, he's. I guess he's not young. He's kind. As he's far probably as, the same age as Profar. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And he has less upside. I, I fear for Renfro just because I'm afraid that he's going to be a poor man's Mark Trumbo, and Mark Trumbo's basically an average major leaguer. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like Renfro's going to figure it out. Hopefully. I hope it's so. It's been an awful showing for him in the first year, but I feel like he's going to figure it out. I feel like the talent's there. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to figure it out. Is there anybody on the team right mm-hmm. now on the Padres Major League roster that you would flip for profile? Realistically, like the Rangers would actually want. Spangenberg. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. But I mean, you're basically trading piece for piece at that point. That's Stop true. touching the mic. I don't know if it's going to screw it up. I want to hold the mic like The Rock holds the mic. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, you said that you wanted to pump the brakes on Tatis. So you want, are you saying that a start I don't in th- Elsinore is inevitable I knew for that the young was coming. Man? No, I don't want him to start in <laughs> Elsinore. I just think that it goes back to, and we're not supposed to talk too much about prospects, but it goes back to kind of overvaluing our prospects, getting too excited. He's moving through the system really fast. You got to think, guys. Last year was his first year. When the Padres got him, was his first year really playing. You know, uh, he'd been signed the year before, so last year was really his first year playing pro ball. And you know, he's he's had his first full season. He's done absolutely wonderful. But I do think that getting a short, I, I think if you put him in a position like we have with Rizzo, where Rizzo obviously wasn't ready when he came up, he had some mechanics he needed to work on. But because Brad Hop was absolutely god fucking awful. You know, the pressure on Hoyer was to bring him up, and Hoyer admitted, yeah, I brought him up too early. You know, I caved into the pressure and the hype, and I brought him up too early. And we saw what that did to Rizzo. I mean, in here, and eventually got him ran out of town. Awful trade, but it got him ran out of town. I don't want to go into a position where we have Ibar, Amarista, Barms type, where it's like, we have to get Tatis Jr., let's get him up here. I'd rather them go with somebody like an Iglesias or a Profar, even a Freddie Galvis, a guy who's been there and can hold it down and where you're not begging for Tatis Jr. to come up because I do think that there will be a time and a place where he'll come up next year, but I don't see the need to rush it. And I think if they get somebody like Ibar again or they go out and re-sign Alexi Ramirez, all it's going to do is just push uh, you know, the, the issue of when's Tatis Jr. coming up because these guys aren't cutting it. But I don't think that's a bad thing for the anticipation for him to, to build. I don't either. I just don't want it to be a situation where they rush him up because they absolutely have nobody else. They probably won't. I mean, they, they're probably re-signed like Dusty Coleman or something, or they'll pick up some scrub that they can run over there. They'll probably throw Slolarte over there. But, oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> no, he's awful. He's bad over there. But... Um, well, his UZR isn't that bad. It's small sample according size. According to uh, Kevin Charity. It's a small sample size. It's it's you can't you can't base it off such a, a small sample. But um, I, I just don't want a situation where I want the situation where a guy he's knocking down the door. It's time for him to come up, and you're in a situation where okay, well, how are we going to get him onto the roster because we have a decent shortstop? Okay, you know this guy's played his role, and we're going to sit him. It's kind of like with the Jimmy Rollins, Corey Seager situation. You know, Rollins was awful. And Seager, but Seager was ready, and Rollins knew it. That's the kind of situation I'd like the Padres to be in, where they know he's ready, and they don't just rush him up just to rush him, because that that isn't going to do him any good. Because he's going to be raw, folks. And he come up here, he's not going to, he's not Manny. I mean, he might, you know, Manny Machado didn't hit when he first came up. If you look at his numbers when the Orioles first brought him up, he was not impressive offensively. It's going to take some time. And let's remember, like, and I think I brought this up when I was texting you the other day, with with how young that we say Margot is, and like, hey, we should extend him. Like, Tatis is not going to be the age of Margot for another four years. Yeah. 
for another four years. Yeah, and Margot had spent already three or four seasons in the minors at that point. Like he, Margot had a natural progression. He was in Triple A uh, last year, so it's a natural progression from uh, you know rookie ball or instructs to rookie ball to low A to high A to double A to Triple A. It's a natural progression. Uh, Tatis went from rookie ball, or I don't even know if he played rookie ball. I think he played. Yeah, he played. I think he played a little bit of rookie ball to low A to double A and probably triple A. Yeah. So I, I would like them to, I, I don't want them to slow down. If they think he's ready, they know more than I do. But it'd be nice to not have, be in a situation where you absolutely have to bring him up because you have nobody else and you're only bringing him up because he's ready. Well, all I'm saying is we saw him go from Fort Wayne to San Antonio. So you never know with yeah. these guys. Obviously, they feel like. Yeah, what the hell with it? Why just start Tatis opening day next year? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, hey, I'd, I would definitely be on board for yeah. that. Well, I, I do think, you know, and, and again, we wanted to focus on majority of uh, the major league club. But I we can't will get help there. talking about FT2. I'm sorry. And we will get there. But um, I really, I haven't heard yet who they're sending for that prospects game, but God damn it, I hope he's there on I, the 30th. September I feel like 30th. they have to have him there. I feel like they have to have a couple of guys. I, I feel like he needs to be there, Logan Allen, Jacob Nix. Quantrill won't be there. There's yeah. no way, no shot in hell he's going to pitch. Yeah, I think they already shut him down. Actually, they did because he went on Twitter and said, I'm done. By the um, way, um, on the East Village Times podcast, uh, James Clark was uh, breaking the news that there's going to be a, a social summit there where basically they'll take the people that, that do uh, follow the follow the team on Twitter, for example, and they'll get a chance to go and speak with the players, um, you know, speak with coaches, I'm guessing. Yeah, you think you, we're uh, getting an invite to that? I was going to ask you, you think we'll get to that? Fuck no. No, no. I, I think the uh, the what, what do you think it is that, that did us in? Was it the f bombs? Was uh, it the Pornhub? Was it me calling myself the AJ Preller of porn? Yeah, it might have been uh, that. Uh, maybe too many single dad comments. Um, Before we start again, a lot of people to uh, follow. I dropped the C bomb on Bill Center quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Don't expect to see us there, but if you guys are there and you want to, um, you guys want to link up and say hi at. Uh, miserable SD fan at 5.5 Dan we will both yeah. be in attendance for that yeah yeah I've been a lot more active on Twitter lately I have to say you've you've made me addicted to Twitter thank you yeah so very much looking forward to that you know what I really want to talk about what I'm really really excited about god damn it Will Myers is back thank god white queso is white hot muy caliente white queso yes so fear not Padre fans Will Myers has been found and Will Myers is raking once he, again yeah he is back um i looked up the numbers here um his first half strikeout rate was 30 percent. he's cut that quite a bit down to 24 percent the second half which for all our loyal listeners know i dug into the data and i mean that was really the biggest change for him he wasn't unlucky on contact he's just striking out a lot more so he's cut that down the second half um he is hitting 116 percent better than league average <laughs> And this month in September. Yeah, so... Absolute tear. Going back to Bill Center, um, I'm getting this these numbers from a Bill Center tweet. Uh, he says, Will Myers' last eight games, 14 for 31, two doubles, a triple, three homers, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 RBIs, six runs scored, 452 average, 485 on base, 871 slugging, 1.356 OPS. Yeah. If you look at his first and second half numbers on the Fangraph splits page... His first and second half are about even right now. The reason it looks so bad is his first half wasn't that bad. It just wasn't great. But he was slumping as the, the first half wound down. And then he just never dug out of it. But I think what people forget is that we had Tony Gwynn for 20 years. He didn't slump. 
So I think people forget, like, players go through peaks and valleys. Manny Machado was awful the first half of this year. You just compared Tony Gwynn to Will Myers. I'm not comparing Tony Gwynn to Will Myers. I think what the Padre fans is that they're so used to lights out Trevor Hoffman. They're so used to, they're still used to Tony Gwynn just being consistently excellent. It doesn't really work that way in real life. I mean, for the most part, every player struggles. Mike Trout doesn't struggle, but he's one out of everybody else. Bryce Harper had an MVP year two years ago. He's arguably the MVP right now. He was not as good last year. He was not the same guy. Chris Bryant was the MVP last year, uh, and Corey Seager was in the running. Those guys, I mean, if you look at it, they're not, they're putting up similar years, but not the same. I think people get hung up on the numbers to a point where they expect these guys to do it all the time. And baseball is a game of variance. It's peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. Myers is peaking. It took a little while longer than we thought. But he's putting up big numbers again, and he's probably going to finish right around where he finished last year from an at-bat at bat standpoint. Yeah, and I, I I mean, we do kind of say that in jest. You know, Will Myers is back. White Queso is yeah. back. We, we kind of say that in jest. But I feel like for a long time, and I mean, he deserved it, but I feel like there had been a large, a large contingency of Padres Twitter that have written him off. I don't think he deserved it. I, I think... I think Myers had a really good first half last year. I want to hear the stuff where he didn't try because I keep hearing these things, reading these things on Twitter where he admitted he didn't try. I've heard him admit that he was tired. Um, I don't, I don't recall seeing the try stuff. So if you guys know where I can get an article where that's quoted at five point five Dan on Twitter, link me up. Um, but I think Myers had such a good first half and overall, like you know, he finally played a full season. I think people kind of got their hopes up about what he could be. He's going to be an above-average player, folks, borderline all-star. That's what Will Myers is and what he's always has been. He's He was never, in my in my recollection of it, deemed a superstar. The reason the Rays you know, were said to have hosed the the uh, the Royals is that Myers could have contributed to that team in right field as their everyday player, and they gave up their like second or third best pitcher to get him. But Myers was never deemed, and my, from what I recall, as anything more than an all-star caliber at the most. Are we expecting too much out of him? I think so. I, th- I think that giving him the contract is expecting too much. He's not making that big of money. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's not, even when he does make big money, twenty million dollars isn't that much. You know, when you have you have superstars making thirty, thirty-five million dollars. You know, and we've said this before. You know, wait till Harper and Machado hit the market. You know, it's going to be epic to see them hit the market. Um, you know, you, you've got guys getting, you know, Kershaw making $30 million, Granke making $30 million. Now, that's superstar money. Will Myers is making above average money, but he's making money that, you know, he's he's making the money that Anthony Rizzo is making. And I think Rizzo is a lot better, don't get me wrong. But he's not making money that's killing the Padres. You know, 10 years ago, giving Adrian Gonzalez this deal. God, Adrian was here 10 years ago. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> but 10 years ago, yeah, that's a lot of money to give Adrian Gonzalez 10 years ago. The game has changed. $30 million of superstar money. 15 to $20 million, You know, Justin Turner makes around 15 to $20 million. He's an all-star caliber player. And we should point out, again, this from baseball perspective, the projected payroll next year, it says $67 million. Yeah, so there's some dead money coming off. Uh, Melvin Upton's contract is coming off. Um, James Shields is not. I think, well, they're already done with camps. I think Hector Oliveira is the dead contract now in place of camps. I think he's coming off too. So I have some dead, some some money dropping off. Again, you guys tweet us if you have uh, more specifics. But Erica, you're looking forward to them either spending or investing internally. Yeah, investing internally. I mean, going back to what we began the show with is extending Margot. <clears throat> God damn, I got some shit in my throat. Um, 
Excuse me. <laughs> um, a little too much browsers for you, buddy? Extending Margot, I mean, that's that's my first and foremost. That's what I want to do. But I don't know if 2018, this offseason, let's face it, they're not going to spend money. No, and they shouldn't spend. I mean, they, they have money to yeah. spend. They won't spend it. But there's going to come a time very soon where I feel like after next year, they'll be able to see, okay, how have our pieces in the minors, how have they grown, how have they um, perform this year, and what do we need to go forward? And I, at that point, you need to spend money. And I agree with you. If I, your payroll's not $100 million, then you're doing it wrong. I don't think you need to put an arbitrary number on it. I do think that you need to be aggressive in who you acquire because spending does not necessarily mean that, uh, as Eric clears his throat again, <laughs> spending does not necessarily mean go out and just blow a bunch of money because we've seen, we've seen them do that before. Spending for the sake of spending. They did it in 2015. They picked up all these big... They gave James Shield an awful contract he was never going to live up to. Uh, they took on Matt Kent's terrible deal. They took on Upton's deal. Um, they took on Melvin Upton's deal, Kimball's contract. They added a lot of payroll that year, and it didn't get them anywhere because it was spending for the sake of spending. When I think about spending, I think of something like what the Astros done. The Astros are not a high payroll team. They kind of just plugged in. They went out and they got Carlos Beltran on a nice deal. Yeah, he's making decent money, but he's not making a ton. They went out and got Josh Reddick on a good deal. Again, not a ton of money, but he's making decent money. They picked up Verlander's contract. That Those are things I can see the Padres doing where they get these above-average players who are just kind of plugging in and then go out and make a move of prospects to get a Verlander where you say, okay, we're going to go ahead and eat this contract. And with eating this contract, this is going to be the final piece. I don't know who the hell is going to be in that kind of a situation at that point. Who knows? But that's what I'm thinking they're doing because they're spending. The Astros are spending, but they're spending wisely and they're spending with prospects. I think that's what the Padres need to look to do the cardinals do it all the time they all you know they'll flip a prospect here and there and they'll take on some money and then they'll go out and you know make a couple of really smart signings to put them over the top i can see the padres doing that i just don't want them to spend for the sake of spending you got a legitimate chance of bryce harper sign that motherfucker uh i i but you know, beyond i don't the, think they will no of course not no there's gonna be 29 other teams gunning for him and realistically only four or five are going to be able to afford him but I do think the idea of spending and being aggressive and bringing in, you know, the Josh Reddicks of the world, um, you know, the the Carlos Beltrans of the world, you know, bringing in guys like those, you know, those kind of pieces, or even going out and getting a John Lester. Yeah, Lester made a lot of money, but you know, he he was not viewed. I think in the I, I think he changed the way he was viewed pitching for the Cubs than he did with the Red Sox. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think he was viewed as you know. This big staff face. I think they got him like, oh, they're going to pair him with Arietta. That's going to be a nice one, too. Yeah. Um, I, I think they viewed it more as that, you know, a, a light ace. I can see them doing that, going out and go, let's get the big name on the market. Um, but I would rather them just spend wisely this time around instead of just throwing money around. I just want them to spend at all. Just spend, period. Well, I think they're going. I mean, the thing is, by the time that rolls around, you're going to have Margot who's probably going to be going through arbitration. Hedges will be going through arbitration. Whoever else they may have up. They're also going to have a ton of pitchers. Um, you know, hopefully by the Quantrill, Lauer, Lucchese. Uh, yeah, but how much are they really going to make through arbitration? I don't know. I don't know to be honest. I mean, it depends on how deep they are. But I mean, say, you know, for instance, right now, Chris Davis of the A's. If you guys look up Chris Davis, he uh, he, gets, he hits a lot of home runs, but he doesn't do a whole hell of a lot else. In arbitration, his second year, he's probably going to make like $10, $11 million. The A's are probably going to try to either trade him or non-tender him. Because he's going to make a lot of money on arbitration, like Chris Carter. They're not going to non-tender his It's ass. the Oakland Athletics. They traded Josh Donaldson for a bag of peanuts and a decent shortstop. That is true. Yeah. But, I mean, Chris Carter got non-tendered, and he led the league in home runs. 
and he got picked up by the Yankees last minute. So, you know, teams are not going to be willing to pay $10 million for things like, you know, teams are not willing to pay that kind of money. It shows you what arbitration is now. So I think the Padres do have to think wisely about how they're going to spend that money because at some point these kids are going to have to get paid if they're as good as we think they're going to be, which is why I like the idea of smart spending like what the Astros have done. Plug in here and there, go out and get one big move. And, you know, and then go from there. I mean, unless you can get a Chris Sale or a Quintana whose, you know, deal is just a, I mean, an absolute bargain, you know, then it's different. But if you have to go out and get like a Verlander type, you have to be smart with how you spend because you have to go out and get, uh, who's who's a pitcher right now that's making big money over the next couple of years? I'm trying well, to, Kershaw. Well, you got, we're, we're never. You can, you can say a Kershaw type. Yeah, Kershaw type. Let's say his deal. Last two or three years, they want you $45 million that deal, $60 million that deal. It's like you have to spend wisely because it's like if you eat that contract, you know, you have these other guys who are going to start making some money right around that time. So you have to spend wisely and know, like, you know, I can go out and get one big piece, but just that one big piece. Well, they better make that, that I trade think they're when going time to. comes or else all this is for naught. I, I think they're going to. I, I do think if there's anything that the ownership group has shown is that they've been really aggressive and they're not cheap. They spent a lot of money on the international signings last year in the draft. Not enough. They should have signed Luis Robert. <laughs> well, we didn't. But they got Fernando Tatis instead, and he's probably better. <laughs> Still. I know. Should have signed him. Yeah. Well, just think of it this way. They're paying for shields, and they got FT2 back. But... I mean, they've spent a lot of money. They they were you know the wallet book was open. Remember how exciting that offseason was prior to 2015. Um, so I, I don't think the ownership's going to be cheap. Um, speaking of future, uh, we're going to get into our Twitter questions because a couple of future questions in here. Um, the first one, Eric, and if you want to shout out who actually mentioned the question about cracking the rotation. Yeah. So Donovan Jones at SD Donovan. This might be my favorite one. Well, there's a, there's actually there's some really good ones. ones this week, guys. Thanks again. Yeah. So he says, uh, 2018 starting rotation include a prospect that may crack it, and also what do we do with Alex Dickerson if he's healthy and has a good spring sure. Training? So two so two piece question. Two piece question. I'll let you take the Dickerson side and see what you think. Okay. And then I'll respond and I'll take the pitching side and see what you think. So here's my rotation next year. I think Lament and Perdomo are locks. Right. Ali, uh, what the hell is that? Travis, Travis Wood. Wood is an absolute lock. We're By stuck default. with him. By default. My two sleepers, I think, right now, um, I think Matt Strom, the guy we got from the Royals, who I think is going to be pretty good. I think people are going to be surprised with how good that trade will turn out. I think he's going to crack the rotation. My prospect that I think will be here is going to be Joey Lucchese. You think he's going to open the season? I think so. He's close. In the, in the starting rotation. I think he's got a legit opportunity. The only other thing I can see them doing is bringing back one of Cahill, or not Cahill, uh, Chassin. Oof. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Chassin, well, Cahill is good here, but Chassin or uh, Richard. Um, I don't see the need for Richard. They already have Travis Wood, <laughs> so they don't need another lefty. Um, and Strom's lefty, isn't he? Is he lefty? Yeah, he yeah so he's another lefty. So I, I don't see them bringing in Richard. I can see them bringing in Chassin for innings, but again, they have Wood for that. Perdomo's been doing a good job eating innings. I think Lamette's going to do a good job eating innings. So I, I do think that Lucchese is that workhorse that could come up and, and throw you 150, 180 innings. He's done better than Quantrill and Lauer, who are higher-profile prospects. But I just think Lucchese is closer. And I think of the guys that they've gotten in the last year, he's a senior sign out of college. He's the guy that you run out there for a couple of years and see what you've got as a starter. And if you got to move him to the pen, move him to the pen. But he's the one guy I would take the risk on in terms of a starting job. What do you think? I mean, I, I think that's a little aggressive for him to crack the rotation opening day. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at some point. Oh, I think we're. I think him and, and Lauer will be up. I was going to say Lauer. Um, I do think, like you said, I mean, you you, you nailed it. So Perdomo, Lamette, um, Wood. I mean, Wood. Those are the three for sure. For me, honestly, I'm bringing Chassin back because I feel like he's reliable. He's a guy that's going to eat a ton of innings. He's going to give you. What league average? Yeah, he's been pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. He's basically been Perdomo. I mean, I, I, he's probably been a little bit better than Perdomo, but that's what they're going to give you six, five, six innings every night. You know, keep you in the game and uh, take the ball every fifth day. Now, one guy who I don't, I don't think he's going to crack the rotation to begin the year by any means, but by the end of the year, I think we'll see um, Eniel De Los Santos by the end of the year. Yeah, he's kind of a, another prospect that goes under the uh, radar. I think I have some info on him too, but. Yeah, I, we could we could see him. I think you're going to see a lot of guys. Colin Ray and Robbie Erlin will probably get some uh, some uh, some starts next year as they come back from Tommy John. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was never high on Colin Ray. Ever. I, I think we're going to see a lot of moving pieces. I in, do too in the rotation next year, and and it's one thirty in the morning, so I don't want I don't want you to look up those stats for De Los Santos because to be honest, no one cares. Let's move on well, to I the care. next question here uh, from Jesse Fritz. It's at SD Fritz. He says, "What's your take on the pod scoreboard encouraging the fans to chant BLA?" He says it makes him embarrassed to be one of the Friar Faithful. What's your take? Why? Why does it make I, my my take is? I think it's fine because you're getting fan involvement. It's definitely better than the damn wave. And every stadium does it. Every stadium does some kind of scoreboard something. Dodger Stadium has to get loud. Every stadium does it. I personally like the beat LA thing. I know you were mentioning off air. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were mentioning off air um, about, uh, you know, it's... It's, it's the inferiority or inferior complex. Yeah, it's, inferiority it's complex. Yeah, it's late. It's the little brother syndrome. We we hate LA because we can never be LA, and here's, here's, that's where I think it comes from. And it's and it's annoying. And the beat LA, I think the best part about the beat LA thing is when the Dodger when the Dodgers come to town, it's primarily Dodger fans there. Uh, yeah, and they late. get into it as well. And it gets so loud because as Padre fans are chanting beat LA, what drowns it out is they're chanting East LA, East LA. It's hilarious. Hilariously bad. And it's pathetic. I don't think it's it's pathetic now because the Potters are awful. So I get that take on it. However. Beat LA. Let's go, Ibar. Yeah. yeah. In 96, 98, and from about 03 to, or excuse me, 04 to 07, that four-season run where they were actually competitive when Petco first opened, Beat LA was a huge branding slogan for them. The beach towels were popular. The signs that you'd get out of the paper were popular. When the Padre fans act, and the, when the Padres win and they're competitive, fans show up. The beat LA thing was a big deal. And yeah, as an inferiority complex, yeah, absolutely. But it does get fan involvement up. And it does, when the Padres are actually winning, make sense to do it. Get these fans riled up. Make them want to you know, be a part of the game and, and create a, a different atmosphere for the players. So... I, I really don't mind anything. It, it it only sucks because Dodger fans you know take over the whole stadium. If they didn't do that and it was 04 to 07, I don't remember anybody bitching in 2010 either about the beat LA chance. I don't I don't overly care for it, but at the same time it it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's it exists. It's fine. I mean, it's cool with me. It's a great slogan. I have a beat LA beach towel. That thing was popular. Is it cum rag? No, it's not a cum See, rag. See, this is why we don't get invited to any social summit crap. I don't use no damn cum rag. I'm a gentleman. I use toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one from our pal, uh, Jake Tremblay, <laughs> at, J- <laughs> at Jake Libido. Oh. 
pod and there's actually the next one. These are kind of back to back negative. Maybe we're drawing a little bit of the negativity. Jake Tremblay, he says, Padre, you least like watching play this year. David Eckstein. Oh, this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this year. Who's who's on the team this year that you don't like watching that much? Um that like he either steps to plate or he takes him down and you're like, God, this fucking guy again? It's gotta be Eric Ibar. Eric Ibar. I'm trying to think of pitchers. But Even though he's been hot coming back from... I don't buy into that shit. He's just variants. He's just having a good month. He's probably just been extremely lucky. He doesn't look like he's hitting any better. He's Eric Ibar. He's been around for like 10 years. He's not. He didn't find a second gear in his 40s. Um, so probably Ibar just because I know what he is. He's just some over-the-hill, has-been, stopgap who doesn't produce on either side of the ball. And he's just there taking up a space because we've had a black hole at shortstop since 2007. Mine, Craig Stammen. <laughs> I hate Craig Stammen. You know what's funny is that if we'd have taped this episode, with, or if we'd have taken this question six months ago, it would have been Brad Hand. Yeah, it would have. Because <laughs> I used to hate watching him pitch. Now no, I love it. no, we both like Stammen. Remember when Miguel Diaz was going to make the start and we called it? Diaz is going to go two plus and then they're going to bring in Stammen? Yep. Lo and fucking behold, that's exactly what happened. I absolutely hate watching Craig Stammen. He's had a 2-6 ERA since, after, since that 11-inning blow-up he had. I don't care. He's so goddamn vanilla and he has his high socks. I hate Craig Stammen. I don't know what it is. I couldn't even tell you his stat line. I absolutely hate watching him. I don't know his stat line. And either. when he comes into the game, that's when you know it's a shit game. I just, I cannot. That's true. I could see that. I cannot stand watching him pitch. Anytime he comes in, I get so pissed uh, off. Buddy Bauman is up there. When he comes in, I'm not interested. Who's the lefty on the team? I don't know Torres? his name. No, not Torres. Where is Jose Torres? He gets spots here and there. Yeah, where the hell has he been? Um, no. Oh, are you talking about McGrath? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. God, where, the, where did they find this guy? Good God. I don't know if that arm slot is awful. He struck somebody out the other night. I saw I saw someone said that he has the second slowest fastball of all relievers in Major, major League Baseball. Not a good sign. Relying you, purely on deception. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, he's, yeah, he's I mean, he made it. He's making, he's making prorated $500,000 a year. I'll take it. But, yeah. Dude, yeah. I saw on, I saw, I think it was, um, I think it was MLB Trade Rumors. I, I saw Craig Stammen open to returning next season. <laughs> I was like, no. Why not? They need bodies in the bullpen. Why not? Why Fuck not? him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, God, I can't stand Craig Stammen. Um, anyways, and poor Craig Stammen. I'm sure he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, he wants to be here, Eric. That's what we want here. We want guys who want to be here. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I can't uh, wait for the Potters to sign Brandon Phillips in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> he will be my least favorite player if that happens. Moving on. Kevin Charity, our pal. If you guys listened next, last week, then you remember. Uh, at Kevin underscore Charity. Give An absolute delight. Yeah, give him a follow. He wants to know your least favorite Padre of all time. You were so excited to answer this. He jumped in on the last question with this answer. David Eckstein is Why? my least favorite Padre of all time. He Dude, he hustled, man. He sucked. He did. Tell me something he did well. He didn't hit for average. He, he didn't get hustled. on base. He hustled. Keith Law one time mentioned in his chats, this is hilarious because Keith Law is white. He mentioned that the word gritty player is essentially white guy who tries hard but unathletic. <laughs> that's a scouting report. That's fair. That's fair. It's very fair because that's exactly what Eckstein was. Anybody that saw him field, throw, hit, nothing. Look, he didn't look like a professional. He looked like a little leaguer 
that you go out there and come on Billy you can do it just try hard and for whatever reason this motherfucker because he tried hard got every opportunity in the book even though he didn't deserve it he's kind of like uh, you know what I'm not going to mention that on air but I'll tell you offline or off, off air but he's he's that kid that gets every opportunity and is like the big I, I don't know I just feel like this is next time like like that kid that kisses up to the coach and tries really hard and look coach I'm hustling and he gets every damn opportunity to start even though he's not good enough and that was Eckstein to me. There was this kid when I when I was playing high school ball. His name was Tommy Demars. I've heard this name before. <laughs> and he was he was one of the kids where um, he can run for you know fifty miles straight. And so when we would run poles, he was sitting there and he would always come in first. And he would get to a point where he would lap like the rest of the team in poles. That's sad. And one time, what I, did he accomplish doing this? One time, my fat ass, I got so pissed. We were running poles and I was just over it. I was like, Tommy. Finishing first isn't going to get you to start. <laughs> I was just so pissed, and, and that kind of reminds me of, of Eckstein in, in that regards. But I mean, hey, Eckstein was a—he was a gritty uh, tryhard. He sucked. He sucked. He was here. He played a uh, two hundred and fifty something game, basically a season and a half. He's barely worth two wins. He slugged like he was fifteen percent below league average in hitting. He didn't play good defense. That's the worst thing. Is like, oh, he doesn't make it. He didn't make an error. And I'm like, yeah, he has no range. If you hit the ball to him, he's gonna throw you out. I yeah. mean, that's you hit the ball to me at second base. I'm gonna throw you out. That doesn't mean I have range. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I played shortstop this year. I guess that's true. <laughs> and I didn't make any errors over there. You know, Solarte makes plays at short if you hit it to him. So I just, it's it's not Eckstein himself. He has a play. He had a place in the majors. He just wasn't a good player. And the fans hyped him up. He's the typical, as my uncle will say, the typical Padre fan favorite. The good old try hard, or I hustle, and I'm really nice, and I smile for the kids. Uh, side note, though, uh, his wife was actually a star on the Disney Channel. Not a bad-looking lady. Pretty solid lady. David Eckstein, 40 value. Uh, wife, probably closer to a 50. Oh, well, I'll take your word for it. I've never <laughs> seen anything about it. So with, with my Padre... Least favorite Padre. I had to remind Eric for this. This is how much he hated this guy. He had to block it out mentally. Oh, well, he'll be the last one that I'll get to. I actually, I have a couple. I actually have a few. I've hated a lot of these fucking guys. Please say Brian Giles. No, no, because I I feel like... Brian Giles is vastly underrated as a Padre. So, my guy who I... First one, Mark Kotze. (laughs) I was not a big Kotze guy. Neither was I. Thanks for Ramon Hernandez, pal. Those are two great years. And the one thing that that sticks out most to me when it comes to Kotze is we were at uh, Qualcomm sitting out in center field with me, my dad, and my brother. And there was a a group of people, maybe five or six of them, college frat dudes there. I know where this is going. And they were chanting. (laughs) They go, What's wrong with Kotze? He sucks balls. <laughs> it was great. It was absolutely great. So every time I think of Kotze, that's what I think of, <laughs> is that chant. The worst was when he retired. Oh, they God. made this big hoopla for him retiring, and I'm like, this guy, is a good, he's been a glorified backup. He played a couple of years here great, but you know he hasn't been here in a long time. He's not this Padre legend. Why are you making such a big deal? Let him run on the field on his own and... No offense to Kotze, he had a really nice career. He gets to collect a pension. You know, they fired him as a hitting coach after a year there. Great. But he was never that good, and he was awful with us. And he yeah. got a lot of playing time. He really did. A lot of playing time. Just to give you an idea, he played in 104 games his last year. The year before, he played in 82. The year before, he was terrible. The last year, he was even worse. He managed to make it the whole season, folks, hitting a ninety-four with a two fifty-three on base. His slugging was two twenty-six. He didn't even slug my weight. Yeah. His, so. his OPS plus, 40, 
60% below league average. And he got a retirement ceremony and a damn, a damn surfboard. You thought they were retiring Tony Gwynn. I think they painted his number out in left field. <laughs> we were there. I was appalled. I'm like, what the hell are you people cheering for? Yeah. This guy sucks. Exactly. And another one, and this guy just kind of like randomly stuck out to me, Doug Mirabelli. <laughs> <laughs> that shit bag. He was a Padre for five minutes. Yeah, for ten minutes. Yeah. That was an awful trade. I mean, it worked out. We got barred but in Meredith, but... Man, we gave a Mark Loretta for that guy. That is made the true. All-Star team. That is very true. Now, the grand finale. This of, is the best one. This is oh, my, oh, I can't believe I had to remind you of this. Because oh, we used to get into some really heated debates. And if Jesse Fritz is listening, he knows where I'm going with this. Oh, I think everybody who knows he knows where you're going. Chase fucking Hedley. <laughs> I hated Chase Hedley. <laughs> Absolutely hated him. Dude. Every time. You used to put up posters in the Obama frame of Jed Jerkle that said, hope. <laughs> yeah, it said hope, and then I made one of Headley and said, nope. Yeah, the nope. You Chase Headley sucks fan, uh, Facebook fan page. Yeah, and I still get notifications from that every once in a while. And I, I changed it from Chase Headley sucks to Chase Headley and Will Venable suck. <laughs> so, There's a Padre player I couldn't stand, Will so Venable. Chase Headley, I feel the reason why I hate him, I feel like every single time he would roll over to second base. Yeah. The, he's a big dude, zero power. And None. then and then I'm so guilty of being the biggest flip-flop motherfucker on the planet. Because when 2012 happened or whatever it was, and he he went off for 31 homers. I swear, I must have texted you 10 times. Extend him. Five years, 95 million. <laughs> Four years, 75 million. You got to do it. I'm like, no, you got to trade him now. You ain't ever going to do this again. Chase Headley was a lock for 268, 11 homers, 62 ribbies. And probably a solid 340 on base and slugging 400 to 420. Oh, and God. good I defense. Hate, I hate Chase Headley. And I, and I get why. Because when he came up, he was supposed to be better than what he was. He actually ended up being, and still is, a pretty solid everyday major leaguer. He's not worse than Solarte. Solarte just happens to hit more balls over the fence. But at bat for at bat, they're not that far off. I think what killed us with Headley was expectation. Yeah. I think they they deemed him the second coming, and he was just a really good college hitter that we got that was going to come up quick. He also took over for really – they traded a really popular player to move Headley to third, and that was in Kuzminoff, um, who at the time was better. Obviously, didn't pan out that way. But. I waited on hold for Hacksaw one time, 45 <laughs> minutes, so I can scream at him at, as why we should keep Kuzminoff and trade Headley. I never got on air, but I waited for 45 minutes. That's how much I hated Chase Headley. Headley probably had more value. Uh, they did wait too long. Well, Josh Burns, this is probably what got him fired. He waited way too long. We're lucky to have gotten Solarte for Chase Headley. We're lucky we got that much because... You know, Headley had that one big year, and that this is what I tell you, folks: you got to strike while the iron's hot. They should have. Here's a perfect example: talking about minor leagues a little bit. Ten caps. Hansel Rodriguez came in to clinch for them. Want to know who he got Hansel Rodriguez for? Melvin Upton. Melvin Upton. We ate salary and got something, not nothing, something. That is why you make trades because now Hansel Rodriguez is in you know single A and looks like he's going to be a high leverage reliever. Yeah. Dude, but the, yeah, with oh man, remember so, the arguments we get into the oh, heated, heated debates. Oh, heated. Yeah. Eric and I, as we much, should have had a podcast then. Oh god, no, we wouldn't have lasted. Eric and I were not as close. I think we had just, we were barely friends. I mean, we were friends, but we weren't as close at that time. But we would get into some, and he would like. I'm like, why are you arguing with? I'm just telling you, he's not that bad. He sucks. And he's this, and I pulled numbers. I'm like, no. If you actually look at it, you know, I, I get it. But he's not. He's not awful. He's just not like elite. No. Yada 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 yada. Yeah. Oh man. 
Yeah. Oh, man, we get into some really hot debates. So Good old uh, days, text message uh, arguments. Yeah, so Fritz, me, Fritz and I had some sort of bet. I forgot what it was, and I ended up losing. <laughs> and the the um, thing that I got for losing the bet, I had to wear a Chase Headley shirt. Oh, man, I remember this. And this was the night that I went down and I met uh, Darren Smith and Kevin Towers. Oh. And so what I did was I bought a, a Chase Headley shirtsy, and I got a piece of tape, and we're right next to where it says Headley, I put the tape on there and I wrote sucks. <laughs> and so I wore it to tilt to kill it. And Darren saw it and he goes, Hey, he's like, go show KT your shirt. And I'm, I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, uh, Darren wanted me to show you my shirt. And I turned around and then he started laughing at it. And, and I was like, I heard that you weren't a big Headley guy. And he looks at me like half buzz, half drunk. He's like, I like homers. Yeah. Says the guy who traded Justin Upton for Martin Prado. Yeah. So anyways, and then I go into the stadium and I'm standing out in right field and, um, I still have the Headley sucks on my back and there's this old old white lady oh, man. titleist visor she goes excuse me excuse me she's like do you know that someone put some tape on the back of your shirt i was like fuck yeah i put it on there <laughs> she's I like forgot about this part. yeah she's like excuse me i was like he sucks and she's like why i was like ma'am have you looked at his numbers he is trash and i was sitting there arguing with like an 80 year old woman <laughs> Poor grandma. Yeah. So the, the hatred for Headley ran deep. So. Oh man. And the best part I think is I was in Toyota Terrace one time when he came up and there was like thirty five people at the park, um, and it was it was his first at bat and it's it's the point where it's so quiet where if you yell you know he's gonna hear you. So he's in the box and as he steps in I wait till it gets the as quiet as possible, and I'm like, Headley, you suck. And there's this, like, four-year-old kid who's sitting, like, two rows to our, to our right. And all of a sudden he goes, yeah, Hedley, you suck! <laughs> and these, dude, his parents looked at me, and the look they gave me, oh, my God. I can still see it right now, just piercing. Like, they absolutely <laughs> hated me. So... I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was a ruining, bit irrational. Ruining today's youth, Eric LeBou. I, I can look back now and say that was probably a bit irrational, but hate Chase Headley. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys that people hated. I, I wasn't big on Will Venable at all. I couldn't stand Will Venable. I, I remember when they gave him the extension. I'm like, why? Sean Burrows. Oh God, should you talk about disappointment? If you hate Chase Headley, you should. I mean, you should really, really, really hate Sean Burrows. He's the reason we, you know, Phil Nevin. Had to move to right and blew his shoulder out. Yeah. And then moved to first. And then Klesko, we had to go watch Klesko pretend to play left field. Exactly. Um, what's some other players that got hate? Brian Jell's got a lot of hate when he came here. And he actually wasn't that bad at all. If you look up his numbers, he wasn't what he was in Pittsburgh, obviously. I but, mean, you look back at his numbers now and you can kind of appreciate what he brought to the table. Yeah. But at like, the time, I wish I wish we had like five Brian Jell's at that. You know, if we, we'd have won a lot. We'd have a great offense. At the time, we were expecting 25 to 30 homers because yeah. that's what he was in Pittsburgh. I think he only hit 20 once when he was here. Yeah. I mean, you can attribute that to the ballpark, yeah. maybe. And maybe him coming off the juice. Who <laughs> yeah, knows? Who knows? Who's, um, let's think of some other players. Jason Bartlett. Jason Bartlett. Oh, and Orlando Hudson. Oh, you know what? Orlando, Orlando Hudson is funny and hate because. He's the kind of player you think the Padre fans would like, but he replaced Eckstein, and they hated him. Yeah. I think they hated him. Two things. He tossed the ball into the stands with two outs and then laughed it off. Yeah. Like, oh, it was nothing. And he basically chewed the fans out for booing them, saying, like, look, you guys should cheer us. Like, we're trying. You know, we're not losing on purpose. And the fans did not take to his attitude. No. At not all. at all. Not at all. At all. Yeah, there's. I forgot. I forgot Orlando Hudson was a Padre and Jason Bartlett. Remember how excited we were when we got Jason Bartlett? I really was. Like, because it was between lie. us and the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Gonna and they lie. gave him a two year extension. 
Yeah, that was the glory days. So maybe one day we'll get back to there. But I mean, hey, we're we're almost an hour and ten minutes in. So I I think that. we should uh, just about call it a show here. I mean, um, one thing. Now we're we're thinking about going. Oh, we didn't talk about a. Uh... Uh, Dickerson, here's my answer for Dickerson real quick. Oh. Um, he's got to earn a spot. Right now it's between him, Blash, and Renfro playing a corner outfield spot because Perel is starting the left and Margot is in center. So he comes into spring trying to earn a spot on the roster. Agreed. Simple. Moving Simple on. enough. Moving Agreed. on. So what, what we want to do here, and, I mean, we've we've talked about what are we going to do in the off season Now, honestly, I mean, as, as you guys can tell, there's not a whole shit ton to talk about. I mean, even while the season's going, so I, we're probably going to do a show, obviously a show a week through the end of the season. Actually, right around the end of the season, that's when I'm getting married and honeymoon. So we're going to go. Don't expect a show on the 20, well, the 20, be published the 26, because uh, it's going to be a long bachelor party on the 23rd. <laughs> so we're going to be just about, probably in the next three weeks. And then after that, I don't know, what, one show a month? Maybe. maybe. Just to stay Might sharp, if that's what you want to call it. Sharp. Yeah. Uh, sharp is not how I'm described. More round. We'll do some, some hot stove shit. But yeah. what I was thinking, and me and Danny have talked about this um, a little bit, is uh, one of our last shows, we want to do it probably on a Sunday. And I want to throw it on Periscope. So if anyone wants to join in on Periscope, I think that'd be pretty cool. We'll get some real-time uh, feedback and uh, yeah. people shit-talking. I did buy a tripod for a cell phone specifically for this. Oh, really? Way. Yep, I Oh, have cool. It. I was going to use that little, you see the little handle on the blender there? <laughs> yeah. <I was> gonna <laughs> Is that how you prop up your phone when you're beaten off? Yeah. You just I was, put it right there? I was going to put it. I was going to put it right there. So No, I got a tripod for us. Don't worry. Cool. So that's what we have uh, in store. We'll we'll see. It's going to be in I'm one of the I'm afraid to few. go on Periscope because if people actually see what we look like, they might not want to tune in. They're going to see what it means to have faces for radio. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't give a shit, dude. So, yeah. Well, you're um, married. I'm, I'm still in trouble here. I'm I'm still trying to find my way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe I'll just wear that Andrew Kashner uh Luchador mask they had a couple of years ago. Yeah, that works. Yeah. And I have a Donald Trump mask. I can. I'm definitely not wearing that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, that works. Well, anyways, hey, uh, find us. We're gonna say every week now. We're we're gonna be at the Prospects game September 30th. The Padres on deck. Um, so we'll be there. If you want to link up, let us know. We will also be at uh, Park in the Park on the 23rd. Uh, if you guys want to hang out on uh, uh, that day, it might be a little inebriated. Uh, but you're welcome to come up and hang out with us and have a couple beers. Yeah. And it's Eric's bachelor party. Buy him a beer. Yeah. You want to be a gentleman, buy Eric a beer on the 23rd at Park in the Park. Well, Ryan Barkley's going to buy me a beer after the Padres <laughs> take one of two in uh, in Minnesota. Oh, so. man. Anyways, I think that's about all we got this week, guys. Uh, we'll check in next week. Follow uh, Danny on Twitter at 5.5Dan. Follow me on Twitter at MiserableSDFan. And, uh, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. We're out of here.